Joe presents TKO. Welcome to TKO on Joe. Uh, I know what you're thinking. We're not supposed to be back until 2020. Last Friday, we had a chat with Carl and a sit-down uh, review of the year. But after what happened at the weekend with Anthony Joshua, I couldn't not sit down with the man to my left. Angel Fernandez is a name that you will know across the circuit if you're a boxing fan. He's gained a lot of recognition in the last couple of years, coaches some very good uh, professional prospects, Isaac Chamberlain, Sultan Zalbeck as well, as well as working with amateurs on the GB squad, Jordan Reynolds, Sandy Ryan too. However, this year arguably was your biggest task to date because oh, after that <laughs> t- terrifying nightmare night in New York for Anthony Joshua at some point and I don't know the story to this yet you were brought in as part of the coaching setup yeah. to help make a few adjustments and and to prepare him for a very successful rematch in Saudi first of all many congratulations thank you very much um Secondly, thank you for joining me because you must be knackered. <laughs> I'm tired, but thank you, you know, for the opportunity to allow me to uh, to come to your show, man. I really appreciate pleasure, it. Pleasure. Pleasure is all mine. So just for a bit of context for, for people listening and watching, we come up to the EIS in Sheffield yeah. to film with Fraser Clark. <laughs> now, obviously, you and I have been friends for a little yeah, while. Yeah, for a little while. But yeah. you had to keep your involvement a complete secret yeah. for as long as possible. Yeah. Now, in the world of boxing, that's not always easy because there's a lot of gossip and people... Word travels fast, yeah. especially when we're talking about the highest profile name in the sport. Yes. And I saw you with AJ talking and showing him a few <laughs> things and I was thinking, what is going on here? And you, and, you, and, you, and you sort of smiled and winked and then you made the kind of the gesture like, keep your mouth zipped. Keep your- <laughs> and I thought, wow, we are, we've, we've yes. stumbled across the big secret project. So... Take me to the top. A, when did you first meet AJ? Yeah. And when did you first get the opportunity to start working yeah. with him? It was kind of like way before Ruiz fight. I remember I was watching TV, you know, at home and, and I kind of like scrolling Instagram and all of a sudden, Anthony Joshua started following me. And I'm like, nah, that can't be right. So I said to my girlfriend, Josh is following me. I was just all kind of like all excited. And I was thinking, this guy's going to unfollow me. You know, like two days later, will unfollow me. So I start kind of like saying, you know, appreciate your follow. You know what I mean? Champ, best of luck in the fight. And uh, he said, thank you so much. He's been very kind of like welcoming to me as well. And I think like a week after the fight or kind of like a few days after the fight, he contacted me and um, he said, can we just like sit down? My team is going to contact you. And then we just went from there, really. We start kind of like the conversations with his team going on. Which fight was this? Was this the Ruiz fight or was yes, this okay. the Ruiz fight? Right. Yeah. Wow. And kind of like the combos kind of like lasted quite a long time because of course the guy needs some rest. You know, I mean he was in, in New York at the time as well. I was ongoing talks with, with the team and um I went one Saturday, I remember to do like a session with him and then I went in on Sunday and that's it. He went out quite I quite like it. I'm just going to be honest, let me talk to, to Rob, you know, with the team. And then they just come up with the news. You're saying, listen, we want you part of the team. So, Because one of the most impressive things that you seem to have the ability to do, you've done it again with AJ, was with Isaac Chamberlain in between the Lawrence Acoli and the Luke Watkins fight. It was only about seven or eight months. Yeah, And I know you didn't start working with him straight away, but the stylistic changes. So I, I sat ringside with Boazzi and watched that. Yeah. And we were both like, how has this guy made this many changes to his style and put them in <laughs> so effortlessly? And we, that was when we started talking more about your influence as a trainer and we were watching videos and sharing stuff. And obviously your, your philosophy, you're Spanish by heritage, but your philosophy is kind of grounded in the Cuban school of boxing. Yeah. But it's kind of like, I wouldn't say Cuban was, to be honest. Yes. I learned from Cuban coaches, but I pick what I think is right. 
I learn on a daily basis with for so many coaches, you know, if I like some of the stuff, I'll go, you know, I might implement this into into my training. But over the time, I, I'm constantly changing. But I've got system of work. So Monday, I do one thing and every single day reflect what is going to be the following day. So when it comes down to Thursday, they will know what they've been doing on Monday and Tuesday. So everything kind of like makes sense. But at the same time, you have to kind of like adjusting new things, you know, in order to the style of of the boxer really because I don't really have an actual style I'm I consider myself a kind of like very technical coach mm. I quite like the angles you know like balance footwork movement and then really just kind of like have the basis with each individual and then build from there because every single boxer has got different styles so so talk to me about that fight in New York I imagine you watched it live but then you would have studied it many many times <laughs> after that to be honest I mean Joshua, don't get don't get mad. <laughs> <laughs> um, I didn't watch it because I was with Sultan in Cardiff. So oh, I, fought, right, yeah, okay. I fought with Sultan in, in Cardiff on that day. And uh, I was so knackered. I tried to stay awake and I completely fell asleep. Yeah. The following morning, I woke up and I kind of like scrolling the phone and I'm like, no. <laughs> mad. Wow. And Chris, I swear to God, I just felt something running through my body. And I think this man is coming to me. And I remember going on Monday to the gym and, and people came to me and, and put hands on the shoulder and I said, you know what? Be ready for what's coming. And I'm I'm stuck kind of like, mm, this is the best thing that you could ever happen to you. And I'm like, no, 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 come on, come on, come on. And then look where we are now. Thing is, they, they do talk in boxing about career-defining wins, but I often think about certain fighters, you can look at career-defining losses. Canelo Alvarez against Floyd Mayweather is probably the most prominent example in the last 20 years yeah, yeah. because he got outboxed and, and, and schooled by a smaller, physically weaker yeah. guy yeah. who showed him what the sweet science was. And I kind of feel like there are parallels with this because Joshua is the biggest, strongest fighter in the world. Yeah. But when you come up against somebody who's got hands like Ruiz, an IQ like Ruiz, a chin like yeah. Ruiz, there were a lot of lessons learned that night. Yeah. And I guess in hindsight, given the performance at the weekend, yeah. you can categorically say that was a career-defining defeat for him because in defeat, you have to either make adaptions and yeah. change or you ultimately fail. So when you first had the conversation with Josh and with the team, what were those conversations revolving around? How did you feel like you were going to fit into the team? It's not kind of like really how to fit into the team or anything like that. It's the training, I was thinking, I mean, this is what I could bring to you, you know, same thing with the, the other trainer, Joby, and same, same thing with Rob. And one of the first things was when we went to Sheffield, the three of us sit down, you know, we watch the Ruiz and Joshua fight. We watch other fights of Ruiz and uh, we just put a plan together. You know, we said, this is the other points, the key points to, to beat Ruiz. Do you agree? Do you agree? Yes. What you think? Is there anything that you could add? Is there anything that you could add? And it was a teamwork, absolutely teamwork. And since that day, every single day was based on that particular plan. Hmm. And Shatsa Denai, it's just like, 
nail it. I mean, fair play to Joseph because end of the day, I don't believe that is the coach that makes the the boxer is the boxer who makes the coach. So um, fair play to Joshua, you know, because all the kind of like the glory and everything has to be to him because the amount of people that criticize him, you know, that he cannot move, his footwork is, is not good and, and the movement is not good. And I think he proved a lot of people wrong, you know, on Saturday night. Especially some of the fights that he may have ahead. I mean, Deontay Wilder goes without saying, you, you can't stand in front of someone like Deontay Wilder and catch shots. Yeah, and it's just not going to work. Yeah, and I don't think perhaps people realised how ferocious a puncher Andy Ruiz was and how quick he counters in combinations. Yeah. And each shot is heavy and fast and accurate. And although Josh's hand position is pretty responsible, he was getting caught with a lot of shots, yeah. a lot of variety. And it, again, you say, when you look at someone like Tyson Fury, whilst he's not the most offensive fighter, what he does do is take a lot of the sting out of shots with yeah. the way he moves his feet. But I have to say, even though I, and I said this to, to Cy and the producers, the very first day we saw you in Sheffield, I had this rush of adrenaline because I, I rate you so highly and I knew that your involvement and just in terms of the movement, which is what Josh perhaps needed, was going to potentially be that extra one or two percent that could be the difference. And I had full faith that, that he could do it once I saw that you were involved. And I think the one thing that I worried about was stylistically, you know, Rob, like all trainers, they yeah. trust in their methods. Yeah. They back themselves to the hills. And Rob is, has a proven track record with, with Carl Froch and AJ. And he's, mm-hmm. he's done a lot for GB in terms of the medals they've won at the Olympics, five in London, three in Rio, three in Beijing. But stylistically, you guys are quite different. Yeah. What's one of the biggest challenges, finding a kind of middle ground between the way he coaches and the way you coach? I mean, for me, it was a completely new, different way of training. Yeah. You know, and I think he actually made me a better coach than I was yesterday because I was pretty much feeling comfortable, you know, in my env- environmental, you know, with my boxers, with my people surrounding, constantly supporting. So for me to go to Sheffield, be in a new environment with different coaches around, different boxers, you know, you may be a, be- a better coach. And the thing is, I had to adjust. It's not kind of like what I was going to bring. The plan was done by, by Mark Ellison, you know, every single time, you know, and that's what we followed. And the thing is, you know, there were days where I was doing the training, there were days where Joby was doing the training, there were days where Rob was doing the training, or uh, you do the warm-up, I do this part, I do that part. And and it's done to Joshua to absorb, you know, what each individual brings onto him. Mm. And, and again, he's shown on Saturday night. It's not kind of like a me thing or a Rob thing or, or Joby thing. I think the three of us play a big, big role, you know, into the training. And uh, it was done to Josh to absorb what I'm teaching him, mm. what Rob is teaching him and, and Job is teaching him. A lot of people were saying, oh God, three coaches, that's not going to work. Yeah. But... How did Josh yeah. feel about that? He never kind of like, it was thinking at the beginning, of course, he's kind of like, mm, let's see how this is working. Yeah, but yeah. he actually worked. He actually worked because the respect that we had from each individual was, you know, respect always has to come first. And you cannot bring any egos because if you start bringing egos, you know, when you have three coaches, that's going to be very problematic. Mm. So uh, for me, I'm not dead yet. So for me, it was a great opportunity and I'm grateful to Joshua and the whole entire team, you know, to allow me to, to be part of the team. So I have to go there and, and just do what, you know, the best of my capabilities, really. Let's talk about Ruiz and the, the dangers because in that first fight, there were moments where Josh was in control. Yeah. He was landing big shots. But it seems to me, and even in the fight at the weekend, Ruiz is, you can hurt him once, 
But yeah. if you go for the second phase, he's got this amazing ability yes. to recover from a hurtful shot. And not only to do that, but to be incredibly dangerous during that second phase. So what was it that you felt Josh needed to, to change in his approach to the fight? It's not really kind of like the changes, as I said, is is the plan that we said at the beginning, we cannot engage with this guy. We knew he's very fast with his hands, but one thing that Ruiz hasn't got is footwork. Mm. He's very flat. Yeah. And if you look all the training he does, all the pads that he does with uh, with his coach, Manny Robles, which I rate very highly, is mm. going towards the ropes all the time. So we knew that if Joshua was going to go in straight lines, gonna that you. was going to be a danger. Yep. So what we made with, with, with Josh, he was like always coming off on a diagonal, yep. off on an angle, yep. doing lots of laterals, semicircles, and the whole sparring, the whole training, like the pads, the technical training, everything was with those key points. Yeah. And he nailed it. Again, it, it was done to him. Carl was preparing for Tyler McCreary two weekends ago and he's Philly Shell so he always exits to the left yeah. spin and exit to the left so they were getting Carl to faint and then step across and he drilling that motion again and again and as soon as I saw that I thought yeah you know what and there was a couple of times in the fight where he tries to exit and Carl just shuts it off yeah. and then goes again and in that first fight Joshua was going back back and keeping hands high but when you watch Ruiz, he'll faint and then he'll come forward in two phases. Yes. And so unless you go back three times, yeah. and the problem with going back three times, you hit the ropes. Yes, yes. And so to see the change in his movement so early, and I think as well the, the weight loss, which nobody really predicted. We knew he'd come in a little bit lighter, but did he just completely abandon the strength and conditioning stuff or did he just streamline it in a totally different way? Do you know much about that? Um, I don't think he actually really did abandon, but I think he prioritised a lot more boxing yeah. into this training rather than the strength and conditioning. But what people does not realise as well is in the first fight, he was preparing for a different man. You know, a or 320 pounds. Yeah. Yeah. A lot slower, you know, a lot stronger guy. Mm. And to kind of like change the, those adjustments in, in a small period of time, I think it was four or five weeks, yeah. it was very hard, you know, very, very hard. And... Um, he knew what he needed to do for the next fight. And because people forget that, don't they? I mean, like Oscar Valdez nearly got beaten at the weekend yeah. by an opponent 24 hours That's notice. 24, yeah. He was supposed to be on his undercut. Yes. Yeah. And it's very easy to say, well, he's the champ. He's had a 10 week camp and he's fit. But if you haven't prepared stylistically and then you get someone in front of you who you just haven't planned for, yeah, yeah. it's as hard for you as it is for them. Yeah. But, of course, you have everything to lose. And Andy Ruiz has everything to gain. Yeah. At what point in the camp did you... Were you sort of keeping an eye on the kind of clips that Ruiz was posting? Any training things? Any movement? Because I sent you a couple of bits yeah, and said, yeah, yeah. look at what he's doing here. Yeah, yeah. Like, it was little, like, faint, step yeah. off to the side, create the angles. And you just said to me... We, yeah. were, we were watching all that sort of stuff, you know. I mean, uh, they were sending videos. We were watching kind of like a lot of videos of him on his fights as well. Yeah. But not always what he does good. It's also as well you have to see other weaknesses. We knew the weaknesses were going to be there, but look at the strengths as well. You know what he does good and take that away from him. And that's what Joshua did on the fight, taking um, the things away from him. Because if you get static is when you allow Ruiz to start giving you the angles, you know, once you get close to the ropes, he could start turning you to either to the left, but I think this time in a lot of video clips, he, he was going, he was going, and he was giving a lot kind of like angles going to his his right. Mm. So that is something that I haven't seen before. So they were probably preparing for others of sort of fight, but Joshua, I think he, he just did not allow that to happen. 
Mm. What was that sort of light bulb moment for you? At what point in camp did you look at Joshua and think the game plan and the and everything we're working on is starting to really click? How far out would you say? Um, I would say the last four weeks. Really, the last four weeks he he was he started to kind of like put in really good sparring. You know, the training, the 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 attitude, the atmosphere. The, you know, the whole team. And I think it was kind of like when we actually as well went to went to Saudi, and the whole team having breakfast together, having lunch together, having dinner together, and that created a positive environment because all of us we get on with each other, and uh, Joshua was very very calm, very relaxed. The sparring partners play a massive part into this because they were such a great guys mm. always helping some people within Campbell were saying oh you got to throw this you know you got to throw that there were times where I was helping them in the corner you know just throw this throw that and seriously the, the sparring he was putting and he was getting better and better and better and better and better in the moment and I thought these guys going to do it so you had, a, you had a Mexican guy Tim Moten this uh, US guy he's got this great Elvis, Elvis. This, yeah and you had Andrew Tabiti yeah Andrew Tabiti super fast yeah. talented guy you know it would definitely be a world champion he's an animal too yeah studies tank yeah. as well you know uh, Michael Espon Derek Tisora he came Tom Leo as well yeah so skillful guy yeah yeah, Tom Little's got underrated skill set. Actually. Yeah, 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 yeah. Very, yeah. Very, very good sparring partners. Always there to help, and that's that's the thing because sometimes with the sparring partners they just probably go there just to kind of like get a bit of fame, mm. you know. But they actually were there to help the man, and that play a key part. Okay, we'll come on to the fight uh, yeah. in just a minute. We're just going to go to a short break first because while Angel got back from the desert, uh, the main man from House of Rugby, James Haskell, has just got back from the jungle. I mean, I haven't like sobbed uncontrollably since I was a kid. <laughs> right. And I, and I, I did. I, I sat in the... Snot? I, not snots, but I mean, not far off. You know? We, we I, saw I was, one in, in Tokyo on one big night. Then. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And I just, I sobbed. I put my head on her lap, my head on her chest and I just, I just cried. Like, but it, I just, it was so over, overwhelming. And then I basically requested to go in and support Caitlin because... Yeah. She had no one there for, you know, obviously all her, her kids are extremely busy. Her sort of confidant and business partner, Sophia, is, you know, running a multi-million pound company. So she couldn't be there. So I just said I wanted to come in. So every morning I came in and lived that kind of roller coaster until Caitlin came out. Then I met her just over the bridge. And then she cried when she saw me, made me cry. Um, so all in all, it was, it's been a pretty emotional few weeks. It's a really good episode, that. Check it out, House of Rugby on Joe. Uh, back here with Angel Fernandez. Let's talk about the night of the fight in Saudi then. Wow. So you are... <laughs> A couple of hours. I just got. I just got a little goosebumps on my arms. I was. I, do you know what? I was nervous all week. Wow. And I had that feeling because I guess it's the, you know, he was in such an amazing position, yeah. and then it shows you how on the knife edge you are as the heavyweight champion yeah. of the world at all times. And so there was so much to to regain, but everything to lose. Yeah. What was the mood in the camp? How did you feel in in the sort of the afternoon leading up to the fight? Great, seriously, like very, very positive. We uh, remember we went for a for a walk midday. All his friends, you know, uh, the team together, you know, just like relaxing, and he seemed very, very, very relaxed. He never kind of like felt the pressure of the magnitude of the fight. You know, oh my God, this is maybe himself in my kind of like thin distance, but to us, he seemed a very, very calm person, and I, I just actually knew from weeks before how everything was going that that man was going was going to do it absolutely was going to do it so how many of you 
in the because there's quite a big entourage there. Mm. But how many people when you're sort of sitting down to eat and you're you're in groups? How many of you are there? And what's the mood like generally? Probably like 15 people at a time, you know, uh, even more. And then when his friends came in as well, he seemed very very relaxed, very relaxed. Because there there is a point, and I only know this from yeah. being with with Boazzi on fight nights that. Everyone becomes a little bit more respectful of a, of a fighter's yeah, yeah, yeah. privacy and space. Yeah. And there is a point where it gets quieter and quieter. And then all you can hear is the crack of the pads as they're warming yeah. up in the gym. Yeah. And there's this silent tension where everyone's trying to look calm because they don't want to exude any nerves. But you know everyone else is feeling yeah. that tension. Talk to me about the build-up to... Because there must have been... There must have been tension and fears, maybe not from Joshua, but yeah. for like Freddie Cunningham and, and all the guys yeah, from AJ yeah. Boxing and Rob and yourself. Yeah, but I mean... Kind of like within when we were there in Saudi, the way how how you see this, how you see things, how you see them, and I, and I was like, he's gonna do it, he's gonna do it. But the funny thing is, the two weeks we were in Saudi, from when we was going to training, the music, positivities, the, the atmospheres. I remember uh, Taviti's um, uh, brother. Every time we were already waiting for the sparring partners, he was coming through the door, and he was like. <laughs> and Joshua used to love that, oh, really? and 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 kind of like he loved that kind of like atmosphere, that that positiveness, and and he's like wow, and that's what we kept in the changing room. So when Josh came into the changing room, we put the same music as the music that he was gonna come out with. You know, the whole thing is like, come on, you know, don't yeah. and and he seemed very 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 cool, very very cool. I did hear that he's a guy that sort of really feeds off energy, and he likes to have people around, yeah, and yeah. and he he sort of is a better version of himself when people are there. So it's interesting to hear that. Like, that was a long time from the ring walk, especially as challenger too, yeah, yeah, because yeah. we forget that he's had, I can't even remember, six, seven defences as yeah, champion before yeah. New York. So he's been used to walking last. And then once he walks, his entrance is the thing that takes a long time. Yeah, but once yeah. he's in the ring, things get underway pretty quick. Yeah. But you had... His ring walk, which was very long. Ruiz's, which was very long. You had the Mexican national anthem, yeah. which seemed to take about four minutes. Yes. You had the US national anthem, the GB national anthem. And it's like, this is crazy. He was waiting for, <laughs> I was thinking, I mean, my heart was going. It says a lot about his mental strength, that he can remain cool through all of that yeah. and still stay focused. And I would say this, for all the huge sort of the pyro and the fire and the lights yeah. that he's not used to at Wembley, he seemed much less emotionally invested in his ring walk than he normally is. There was like tunnel vision. Yeah, yeah. Is that what the impression you got yes. as well? Yeah, yeah. He was very, very determined to do the job. So Very determined. And so the bell goes for the, for the start of round number one yeah. and instantly you can see the difference in the movement of, of the guy. Now, take you back to what I was mentioning, the Cuban schooling, because... Yeah. I watch a lot of amateur boxing, as, as you might know, and the one thing the Cubans do brilliantly is they force people to reset by they move in one direction, they almost faint a step left, and then they step right again, yeah. and it causes this constant like reset and frustration. And against a power puncher who needs to set their feet, like a Wilder, like a Ruiz, it's a very difficult thing for them to have to deal with, somebody who's constantly on the move. That was the game plan, and you were confident that Joshua could do that for 12 rounds, right? Yeah, yeah, 100%, because we saw that in the sparring. And when I was just there in the corner and, and I started looking round after round, I promise you, Chris, it's exactly the same, but the same as he was doing in the sparring. Wow. I was just thinking, this guy is just doing another sparring session. And I remember I did say, listen, today is going to be another sparring session, but different opponent so just do what you have been doing and that's what he done 
the thing is, it's not kind of like you go, when you start looking at the fight, and I wish you could be watching the sparring because it was exactly the same. The movements, the turnings, the the, the feints, the jabs, exactly the same. Yeah. So the repetition in everything is key. And that Saturday night, he proved that. His jab was the best it's ever looked. And the way he he would just step in, pick it, and then come back out of range, yeah. always thinking feet first with everything that he did. Yeah. And there was a couple of times where he would just faint, draw the lead, and then he would walk Ruiz onto a jab, move off to the left, just turn with him. All the little subtleties that you as well as I do know how long it takes to become autopilot. That doesn't just happen. Yeah. That's a really, and you know, people were looking going, Oh, he's just moving. Well, it's like, no, there were a lot of pretty technical adjustments that he had yeah. to make. Um, there was a right hand that lands in that first round yeah. that he turned right That's through. Right hand. I mean, I don't know what Ruiz's chin's made of, mate, but he's not going to get hit. <laughs> but a bar like a right hand from, from Deontay Wilder. And I would like to see it because I feel like, He's a very hard man to hurt. Yeah. But it was interesting because that, that right hand landed and you saw the cut open immediately. Yeah. Fight as a fighter, that's a positive mental yeah. boost. Yeah. You cut a guy with a clean punch. But then instantly AJ, he missed with the second right, and then he just went he just was a little bit short with the left hook and he just got tagged with a glancing left hook with Ruiz. And I remember thinking that was the perfect time for that to happen because it was a good warning sign for Ruiz, yeah. but for Joshua, it was that m reminder of New York and of don't get greedy because yeah. that second phase is when you can get yes. hurt. Yes, and he didn't. He kept his discipline. But one of the things that, again, you know, with the sparring and everything, and we were nailing night, Rob, myself and, and Joby were discipline and focus are the key on this fight. And he kept it for the whole entire 12 rounds for the whole entire 12 rounds. He never got greeted. Maybe at times that he wanted to gain both a bit. Yeah, that's him. Kind of it? like he was just looking at the corner and, and was like, okay, okay. It's kind of like, I just know what I just had, I just done, you know? Mm. And then he was getting back into that range, you know, back into the job. So fair play to him, you know, fair play to him. Yeah. So in the corner, yourself, Joby and, and Rob, who of course is the, yeah. the main man, did you sort of agree previously, would it just be Rob talking in the corner? Were you guys... You guys just sort of confer yeah, in between yeah. rounds and then Rob yeah, pass it on. How did yeah. that work? 100%. You know, you, you cannot, in a world title fight, I mean, you can't really go and, and three guys talking because that will confuse the guy. Yeah, yeah. And we we were doing that, inspiring, you know, you're going to do this, you're going to do that, you're going to do that. And we reinforced that on fight night. You know, Rob does the talk and Rob said, if I just go like that, you, you can say something. So I kind of like maybe towards the end or at the beginning, you know, I could go, that was a good run. That is what I'm talking about. That's good boxing. And then Rob talks or during the fight, you know, just like Joby saying something as well, you know, beautiful things like that. Just to encourage the guy. So, but once on that mini is one man talking, because if you have two guys that could confuse Josh's mind, the way he is throwing the right hand yeah. is a little bit different. And I know that's something that you sort of had a little bit of input with and you've been working on. He seems to be turning through it a lot more. Yeah. How, how long did that sort of take? Did you make any sort of little adjustments with Josh? Like, what, what did you work on? It's not kind of like... <laughs> <laughs> Do you want to... Uh, let's have a break. Let's have yeah, a break. Yeah, that's okay. okay. It's, it's not um, kind of like... Don't forget that Joshua has been training since summertime. Yeah. Yeah. It was not just a three-month training. Yeah. Joby at his bit, I had my bit, and Rob at his bit. And I don't really kind of like 
probably would like to go into detail of what I do or what I kind of do, but I just let my work talk for itself. Yeah. I like my guys to to definitely turn into the shots, but that also Joby does exactly the same, you know, because the pads, if you see the pads with me, if you see the pads with uh, with Rob and also kind of like the pads that we're doing with uh, with Joby, he was really start turning in, in, into those right hands. And, and at times, of course, he was like the right hand may be short, but we'll repeat again. So jo um, Rob would say, slightly longer slightly longer so because he was like from the outside watching this okay we just make it longer and just mm. boom so if you look at the times that he missed i think it was maybe two or three times within the fight that he wanted to be greedy with our hand but he missed but he turned automatically straight away yeah. out of danger so yeah, he got his head safe yeah, didn't yeah, he yeah, and moved yeah yeah yeah, yeah. yeah he didn't got stuck in there and that's where the danger would have come but he missed and boom constantly turning constantly mm. turning so fair play to him I wonder whether even though he's a stone and a half lighter that he might be actually almost hitting with more spite because the, the shots are flowing He his body looks so much looser and so much more relaxed whereas there was tension and that, that comes with musculature yeah. you know we're talking to James Haskell just yeah. because they were, they were recording House of Rugby and he's going to have his MMA debut and you kind of look at him and you think yeah. one of the things that will help the flow of the shots is to just let that yeah. muscle just yeah. drop off you a little yeah. bit and I guess at his level now with the opponents that are on the horizon, whether it's Pulev, Usyk, Wilder, Fury, he's going to need the combination of speed and footwork that he showed, but the power that he clearly already has. Yeah. Does he, are you taking him on the pads? Just describe the power to me. Can he hurt you with both hands? Yes. Yeah? Yeah. So does mad, you, power. So <laughs> mad power. Yeah. 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 Probably, I mean, Joshua is mad powerful. And especially when we was trying to punch as well right hands to the chest with, with so the body like shield fainting you know a step to the left and vroom, right hand to the chest oh my goodness me i mean and one time i think i remember that i put it or put the power i had the, the body belt on me and it kind of like nearly hit my rib and i'm like Phew. i actually felt that because i remember people from the outside were saying like <laughs> yeah your face kind yeah. of like Actually, it's actually that. scary. Yeah, I would have gone in. That I mean, that would have break me. But, but he's mad, mad powerful, mad powerful. Even with the round pads, the the way he, when he was turning and sitting on the panties. If you were to hear that, you know, oh, that's when he was throwing those right hands on the wrist. I was thinking, I mean, this guy is made of metal or, or something. Because yeah. any heavyweight with that right hand would definitely would go down. Yeah, definitely, hundred percent, definitely. And he actually hurt quite a few people in sparring with that right hand as well. But Ruiz, you know, you know when you're going to fight Mexican, you know you're going to go for a hell of a fight because mm. those guys, you hit them, but it's just they got so much inner strength that they will keep coming forward, keep coming forward. Bizarre, isn't it? That's what Ruiz done. But I do wonder whether you've, we've now seen like the optimum balance for, for AJ in terms of weight and performance because as you say, that power, and this is where I always think about people like Usyk, Holyfield, Hay, yeah. let's say great cruiserweights that come up to be good at heavyweight. You have to have, if you're a small guy, you have to have something a bit different. Yeah. And I looked at Hay and I always remember thinking that going over 16 stone was probably where it was like he got diminishing returns because yeah. he had knockout power, whether he was 14, 10, or whether he was yeah, sixteen yeah, five, yeah. whereas the amount you lose in terms of your engine, your your capacity to work at a higher rate, yeah. your speed, your re reflexes, everything at sixteen and a half stone, it's not worth the extra maybe two or three percent power which you have anyway. And I, I feel like with Joshua, maybe what we're seeing now is the optimum version of a guy who can yeah. who can move, who can 
hold himself well for 12 rounds seven. and can really bang. Yeah, yeah, 100%. I think, I think after this fight, and Joshua said that, it's, it's a new beginning. You know? Yeah. And then, you know, whoever comes next, adapt to, to the guy, you know, who is going to be in front and, and, and be the best you can be, really. But I, I believe this way is where Joshua is probably going to be because... He looked so good, so relaxed, moving for 12 rounds as well, when a lot of people as well have been saying that he was gassing after five or six rounds. And, and look, I mean, Saturday performance is, well... The future's looking bright. Oh, 100%, 100%. Talk to me about Joshua, the, the man. So you, you've obviously oh. got to know him very well, and yeah. I know you've become very fond of him. Yeah, yeah. And obviously when you spend that much time and you invest that much personal yeah. of your, your skill set yeah. and your knowledge you become close. Yeah. So talk to me about Joshua as a guy. What's he like? How's your friendship grown in the last um, Very good. I, I get on so well with him. You know, I mean, because for me, my job, yes, he's boxing coach, you know, boxer coach, but I go beyond that. You know, I, I need to have that connection with, with them and that has to be getting into the friendship. Some people might not agree with it, but for me, it has to be like that. I have to have the connection and I learn a lot from, from the man, you know on a daily basis, how, how he talks, how he behaves, how he is as a human being, you know, because you see it from the outside and you go, oh, he can be like a different person as you actually meet in person, but it's exactly the same. With the man that you see from, from the cameras, is exactly the same. He, he, he treats me of, of sir, he calls me sir, yes sir, this very, very polite guy. And a guy of that kind of like name and, and how big he is to talk to you with that respect is, well, I mean, I will always be forever grateful, you know, and I, and I said it from, from day one. And during the camp, I always looked at him and I said, listen, man, you know, I will always be grateful to you. And I learn, as I teach him, I learn myself, mm. you know, and the man is, is an absolutely amazing human being, amazing human being. And so I imagine, given all that, when the final bell goes, and I mean, there was no doubt. You knew you'd won. Yeah, because I just jumped into the ring. Right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, mate, you'd earned it. You, yeah. You'd earned it. I mean, I was just so... I had to have a couple of beers at home because just to take the edge <laughs> off, mate. Just because, I guess, personally, like, I've known Rob for many years. I've known you recently and, and I've, I've met AJ countless times over the years and he's always been so polite, so engaging. And every time I've seen him, the way he treats people around him, for me, whatever the criticism people want to lodge yeah. at him comes from problems for, for in their lives. It's nothing that I've ever seen from him. And so how crucial a night that was for British boxing as well as for a lot of the people that you know I personally care about I was nervous and so when that final bell went <sighs> but what was it for what was it for you were you relieved were you just elated how did you feel he just I knew he just won yeah yeah straight away yeah 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 uh, I was just, just waiting just to kind of like 12 rounds of course just to actually say and then you and I just completely when my just jumping with all these friends around. I remember, I mean, after pretty much a mini of like that sort of hype, I, I just, you know, I just went on tears because it's the emotions, you know, it's the emotions of being away from, from my friends, from my family, to being in Sheffield in a place that I never had that, those kind of like three months pretty much away from everybody. All those emotions came in and I remember looking down the side in, in the ring and, and I saw David Cobo there. So I just went on to him, you know, and, and I said thank you to the man because he's been absolutely nothing but great to me, you know. And um, I spent a lot of time in the last few days with him in, in Saudi and uh, he teach me a lot, but not just boxing, you know, life in general. And, Good um, bloke, mate. Yeah, 100%. One of my, one of my oh absolute my faves. Yeah, and yeah, I yeah. I remember, you know, he gave Macado and, and I just 
went in tears, man. And I, and I, and I just said, just like, thank you so much, man, because, and he said, you be ready, you know, be ready. This is your time. And man, seriously. So I, I got to thank him, you know, for being absolutely nothing but real. And um, I'm pleased to meet that sort of like good people in life because I've got so much respect and, I'm expecting now to kind of well, I'll go to Kazakhstan on on Friday for the for Sultan Saobek, and then when I come back, I'll definitely need a long holiday. <laughs> yeah. So I'm planning to go to uh, to Dubai and and talking to Kowo. I think he's going to be there as well. So oh. I'm planning just to go and just like meet up, you know, go for dinner, and just just relax, you know, just like enjoy the company and uh, yeah. I'm thankful to the man, you know. I'm glad. I'm glad you guys are friends because he's awesome and oh. he's a, he's a friend of mine too. And I I am um, I rate him so highly as a coach. And percent, uh, yeah, great talents in his gym as well. Never know. Maybe you guys end up working together at some point in the future. Who knows? Kind of like dropped it. <laughs> I remember. I think yeah. I said, you know, I was just like, you know, me and you. But then, you know, who will be the main ma- yeah. main guy? But I don't think I will have a doubt. You know, I mean, in terms of kind of like, if that happens, happens. You know. I would love to because I like the man. I truly like the man. Yeah, good stuff. So where do you see yourself next year? Obviously, you've still got your stable of fighters yeah. that you're working with. I know there are a few other opportunities on the horizon yeah. for you, but with Team AJ, if, if they ask you to go back and work with them again, you would, yeah, you would do that again? We'll, we'll still be together. You know, I think he, he'll definitely need the rest now. And um, as soon as he's ready to get back into training, we'll still be training, you know, doing work ongoing. And then when the next fight gets announced, you know, get the camp, but he would definitely be training way before that camp. And I will be there as long as Joby and, um, and Rob McCracken as well. So uh, I'm, I'm just thankful, you know, to them for, for the opportunity. And also this time, because I won't be so much of a secret, you know, I could still yeah. have the time for, for my guys mm. as well, because it's been hard, you know, it's been very hard for me in terms of like, Sultan is fighting for the WBC Asian title. And for me, to see the man not be next to me because I'm so close. The, the language is not there, but I'm so close to the man. You know, he's the love. And he was constantly texting me, you know, I need you. And I said, listen, man, this is just a one-off. And he'll gain from this as well. You know, for me, be with Joshua, you know, it's going to be some benefits for him as well. And um, I hope in the future, you know, we'll we just do something great. Just like me, him, Joshua, Isaac and, and, and Sandy Ryan after Olympics. Yeah, good stuff, man. Well, I look forward to, to that and, and best wishes to Sandy. And she's had a bit of a bit of a rocky three or four months. Yeah, uh, she's... injuries, but, you know, she's mad talented. Yeah. You know, she knows what she needs to do. I believe in her from, from day one. I believe in her talent as well. And uh, listen, her style, a lot of people are saying, oh, it's, it's more professional, blah, blah, blah. But listen, I wish her the best of luck, you know, in the qualifiers. And I hope he makes Tokyo 220, which has always been her dream. And uh, I really hope, you know, that he fulfill her, her dreams, really. Yeah, me too. Me too. Mate, congratulations. Chris, thank and, you so And a much. Merry Christmas. I'm thank so pleased the year me, has man. ended on a high for you. You deserve you it, mate. Me, no, absolute pleasure. Right, I promise this is the last episode of the year, unless something <laughs> mad happens and AJ walks in the door now. But I want to say a massive thank you to Angel Fernandez. As always, great to have your company here on TK. We will... We'll see you for sure in 2020. Merry Christmas, everybody, and we'll see you next year. Merry Christmas. You've been listening to TKO on Joe.